This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. The encoded information on this disc is read by a laser beam. That means that the picture and sound quality must be far superior to videotape reproduction, and therefore it will play equally well time after time. Welcome back, Scuttlebutt Nation. This is Ro from the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast, and welcome to episode 157. We have a five questions episode, and if you're not familiar, I take five questions, we go in blind and answer each other's questions off the cuff, uncensored, unadulterated, uncut, and however else you want to slice that up. Uh, we bring in uh, a friend or two, and uh, we ask each other, Five questions, hence the name. Clever, huh? And with me tonight, I've got Tim from the FSF Popcast. Tim, how's it going, man? Really good, Ro. Thanks for having me on, bud. I'm excited to do this. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. These shows are always fun. Uh, We do not ask each other the questions beforehand, so this is the first time that we are going to be uh, hearing each other's questions, and it makes it for a fun kind of like, you know, a little back and forth. Um, like I said, uh, uncut, uncensored. Let's see what we got tonight. So, uh, you know, before um, before we start, I, I did want to warm up. I wanted to ask you, uh, are there any programs in the sci-fi or fantasy realm that you are really geeking over? Anything that you're watching lately? Yeah, um, I've been kind of going back through Rings of Power on Amazon. Just be, I, I enjoyed that so much when it came out, but there's so much in every one of those episodes. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings. You know, I mean, obviously it is Lord of the Rings, but like with the movies, I always felt like I had to go back to rewatch them to catch the things that I hadn't seen before. And right. there's lots of little details and, and little tidbits that I had missed on my first watch through. So I'm, I've been watching that right now, and uh, I'm kind of new to the Trekkerverse. So season one of... Uh, uh, the next generation is where I'm at. I'm really enjoying that. I've been told that I need to get through season one and it gets better, but it's already better than the original series. So that's kind of where I'm hanging out and I'm having fun there. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, Shanti also, I think last year has, uh, you know, brought herself into the Trek world. She's, uh, she started to listen to some Star Trek podcasts Same. and, uh, really, uh, started to dive in. So that is interesting. Um, I always take it for granted because I grew up watching the original Star Trek, uh, as they call it, the TOS, yep. uh, the the original series. And I always take it for granted that anyone that likes Star Wars or science fiction in general has uh, has always liked Star Trek as well. Um, I'm an equal opportunity nerd, and uh, I guess I take that for granted. But it's interesting to me. Uh, to know some uh, fellow geeks that uh, are, you know, just only now taking their dip in the pool, so to speak. So it's interesting. Yeah, I avoided it like the plague for years, to be honest with you. I was, I just, because growing up, Star Wars to me was all about the the pew pews and the laser swords and all these other things. That, and Star Trek was more cerebral, it didn't have the explosions, didn't have the fighting. And I mean, there are, clearly there's space battles and things like that in Star Trek, but it was not as much fun to me. And, and as I've gotten older, Star Trek actually makes a lot of sense. And I enjoy it now because there are episodes when I turn off 
an episode of Star Trek where I actually it makes me think, and I'll sit there and I'll have to think about what I just watched and how that affects my my thought pattern about certain topics and certain things. And I think that's what a good sci-fi should do. Absolutely. I'm holding up a Star Trek uh, pen, communicator pen, live long Beautiful. and prosper, my friend. Excellent. There is no evidence of natural disaster, yet there are vast numbers of unburied corpses in all cities. You know, I started watching, uh, be, uh, on the behest of a friend of mine at work, I started watching uh, Citadel. I think it's, I think it's on, um, on prime and, uh, it's an interesting show. It's a, a little, it's a cross between, um, mission impossible, a little future techie, uh, kind of stuff that's thrown in there. Uh, I think the, the, the main actor is, um, uh, Kit Kerrigan. What's his name from game of Thrones. Oh, and, okay. uh, I can't remember the the the, the lady's uh, the actress's name, but she's been in other uh, you know really great shows. Um, the acting as well is is great. There's a lot of action in it, and uh, I'm like three episodes in. Um, it's kind of like a fish out of water. One of the they, they both play uh, like agents of some secret paramilitary uh, intelligence organization, and one of them basically had his memory wiped and doesn't know that he is who he is. So it's, it's kind of an interesting premise. So okay. we're, we're going to keep going on that one. Oh, you know, one other show that I forgot to mention is I'm also doing, I'm going through on a rewatch and because I'm getting myself ready for season two, hopefully of these upcoming shows uh, is the foundation on Apple TV plus uh, based okay. off the Isaac Asimov shorts. The foundation is, I, I love that show really, really well done. I should look that up. Uh, the one thing that I really got into on Apple TV was Invasion. I just started that. I so I I only got a couple minutes into the first episode and had to shut it off because I forgot I had to go, leave the house to go somewhere. Yeah. So I literally just started that. I have I have not had a chance to sit down with that yet. Yeah, and I you know I, I didn't know uh, if I was going to like it, but it, I, I stuck with it, and all throughout the the series, um, I was very surprised. I I, I really really enjoyed it. There is uh, a set of actors, and I guess the story takes place from the eyes of different uh, groups of characters. And uh, the way they jump around, they they kind of relate to what is going on in the greater scheme of things. It's very interesting, and uh, I, I think you'll really enjoy it because it's uh, it's not your usual, it's not your typical sci-fi uh, show. It has a lot of really great interpersonal connections with the characters that you. Uh, you start to get to know. Um, and I can't wait for season two. Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, looking forward to watching it now. Yeah. So those are great, uh, great selections. Excellent. Hey friends, just a quick reminder. If you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. 
You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the Scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. All right, my friend, five questions. Uh, like I said in the intro, we uh, we go in blind. We ask each other five questions. Uh, we don't know what these questions are off the cuff, uncensored. Um, and I, I have to uh, confess to you, I think most of my questions, if not all, are sort of Star Wars related. And I kind of gave you uh, the only uh, prerequisite was... Um, questions, anything goes. Um, so, uh, but I know, you know, we are both, you know, big Star Wars fans, so yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll have a problem. Sounds good. I will, since you are the guest, I will afford you the opportunity to be first on the list. So if you can ask your first question, I will try my best to answer it. All right. Very good. Well, this is a softball. So I thought we'd start easy and then we'll, we'll go harder as we go. Okay. So. I always like to find out different things about my guests when I have them on my show and kind of what makes them tick and who, you know, what kind of, you know, directed them, where they got to how they got. Um, And so part of that journey is finding out who their superheroes favorites are and who their super villains favorites are. And, you know, kind of kind of gives you an insight to their psyche. So for you, I want to know who was your favorite villain, super villain or just Machiavellian villain, whatever. What is your who is your favorite villain and why? Um, God, you talk about softball question. And I think anybody that knows me or has seen the Scarif live, especially on, uh, you know, on weekends when, when my light is off behind me and the shadow starts to loom, um, over my shoulder, um, my favorite villain, my favorite character in general, and all of, you know, science fiction or, you know, anything, uh, you know, fantasy related would have to be Darth Vader. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people have the question, is Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker the same character? And I want to say, um, I want to say no. Um, for me, I, I love Darth Vader. There are certain aspects, uh, of, of his persona that I feel that I connect with. And that's kind of a scary thing, uh, to, to admit, um, the uh i don't know the strength the conviction the power um are obviously things that uh, that attract me as a character yeah i i find i find those qualities exhilarating in 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 darth vader as a character um and obviously besides the fact that he just looks kick-ass he looks cool the cape the inner yeah. cloak the lights uh, the the shape. Uh, I was just talking to Heidi from Costume Co. and we were talking about, you know, iconic shapes. Uh, we we mentioned Batman's suit. Um, obviously, the the shape of Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, where all you see is the uh, the red silhouette because he just ignited his lightsaber. I mean, what what more cool image can you think of in anything? So for me, it would be Darth Vader. All 
I think that's a great answer. And you're 100% spot on. Anakin and Darth Vader are two separate characters. Even Darth Vader says so in Obi-Wan, I killed Anakin. So Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, my first question to you, Tim, my friend, um, this is going to be... Uh, this is going to be a good one. It's not too much of a softball, but I think it uh, it it, it uh, deserves some sort of uh, explanation. Um, we are getting ready for the Ahsoka show, obviously, uh, us Star mm-hmm. Wars fans. And there are certain elements in the uh, Rebels television show that people have been uh, speculating or trying to figure out if some of these uh, elements in Rebels are going to be uh, spilled over into the live action. Um, and obviously, there are a lot of uh, people discussing the world between worlds. Uh, so I wanted to ask you for my first question, time travel in Star Wars, are you for or against it and why or why not? Well, you know, I also didn't think that I would be for uh, the uh, forced teleportation being brought into the movies, but I actually kind of liked the way that it was done. It's one of the few things that I actually liked out of uh, The Rise of Skywalker was the way that the, the, the forced teleportation was done. So I don't really have a problem with time travel uh, in, in Star Wars, uh, especially when you do it in the way that the Worlds Between Worlds does it in Star Wars Rebels. I think that the, the animated series handled that beautifully. And the way that if it's done according to that, I have no problem with it. I think if it's, you know, like uh, a Marty McFly type situation, we have other we have other problems in the Star Wars world. But if it's done through the world between worlds where, you know, you're able to open a door, go back into some, you know, like with Ezra looking at, you know, seeing his parents or different different instances and occurrences uh, through the through those those time doors. I don't have a problem with that. So for me, it, it comes down to how it's laid out, how it's put out to the audience, how it's put together. And as long as it's done properly, I have no problem with it being in Star Wars. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's very nice. Very cool. One of the things we love to do on our show, uh, because of our Facebook group, um, our Facebook group is full of memes where there are <laughs> this match, this matched up with that. And, you know, these two, these two type of, uh, universes collide. So I want to see what your answer would be to one of our mashup questions. Okay. Okay. So, if you were able to mash up a sci-fi universe with a superhero universe where they had to work together, what two universes would you select and why? Uh, you know, the the one thing that uh, came to mind is uh, something that I've heard um, people make comparisons to. Obviously, the, the world of Star Wars and the world of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy kind mm-hmm. of fit very... Um, you know, very well. Um, there's a lot of elements in both that uh, I can see those uh, two worlds kind of crossing over. I'm not a big mashup kind of guy. Um, it, 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 and this this will be kind of a funny statement. It uh, years ago, even before the Disney purchase, it used to bother me that I would see Mickey Mouse uh, dressed up as his Jedi. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the mashups like that. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I might have to go with that easy one. Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of spaceships and pew pews in both universes. And, uh, I, yeah. I, I really do think that, uh, that, that, 
those two uh, universes uh, could collide in in a in a way that makes sense. Um, there's space travel. There's you know creatures. Uh, a lot of things that are similar to each other in, in in those universes. So those are the two that I would pick. It's funny that you pick those two because now every question I've asked of you or will ask you tonight uh, on my sheet of paper, I have my answers written right at you know at the end of the question. My answer was Star Wars with either Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, perfect. So yeah, so, yeah, so we we're on the same thought pattern with that one, and for the same reasons that you just gave. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, it just it just makes sense. Yeah. Easy enough. All right. So my second question to you, Tim. Uh, we enjoyed the end of season two of The Mandalorian, where we saw um, the uh, the appearance of one uh, Jedi Knight, uh, Luke Skywalker, um, burst onto the scene at the end of uh, season two of The Mandalorian. Um, people were losing their minds. I think, uh, you know, we were... During the, the the tail end of that season, I think we were kind of getting hints. Um, obviously, um, Din Djarin was charged uh, of bringing a Grogu back to a Jedi, back to his own kind. We didn't know who it was going to be. I think later on, as the story progressed, I personally had a um, kind of a thought that uh, there is absolutely no way that they're going to bring Luke Skywalker into the mix. But as that episode in particular started to, um, you know, flesh itself out, you saw little hints that that's where they were going. There were little, um, you know, obviously little Easter eggs right before his appearance. You saw a, an X-Wing, you know, approach the space station and and it was it was an X-wing by itself. Uh, it was landing in the in the hangar bay. Grogu was like touching the screen and feeling the force, whatever. Um, I, you know, up until that point, I was like, do they actually have the cojones to bring Luke Skywalker into the mix? Um, and obviously, with uh, with issues that um, the Last Jedi had with fans uh, making it seem like uh, you know the authors of the film perhaps did not um, understand Luke Skywalker or at least understand us, the fans wanting to see Luke in a certain light. Um, my question, um, now that it's long winded here, my, <laughs> my question to you was, uh, was Luke Skywalker at the end of season two of Mandalorian? Do you feel that that was the right move? Yes. Uh, so bringing him back in that way was the right way to do it. Because in the, especially with the time frame in which we're looking at, you know, this would be the time frame right before he's setting up his Jedi school, which we get to see in, you know, the Book of Boba Fett, um, you know, or as I like to call it, Mandalorian season two and a half, um, you know. Uh, and so seeing kind of all that get put together, it w really would have made sense that he was out looking for those who were force sensitive and those who he could bring to his school to teach and to train. And so uh, re having Grogu reach out to the force. Through, through the force rather and Luke Skywalker answering it absolutely makes sense um, you know because this is post return of the Jedi and uh, other you know other than that they would have had to have dug a little deep to bring back like you know uh, have just straight up have been you know ahsoka do it or they would have had to dug deeper to bring in Cal Kestis um, or have Ezra Bridger come back early uh, in, in that time frame, which, you know, Ezra may have been a, a good answer for that as well. But I really think, especially for the, the majority of the fans, 
And even though it could have been looked at as fan service to bring Luke Skywalker back and have him be the Luke Skywalker that everybody wanted him to be, because especially mirroring the the feelings that were coming off of the the, the showing of the Last Jedi and and how you know there was the Hermit Luke, um, you know, and that and that really upset a lot of fans. So I think doing it that way, I think, was the right way to do it. I think if they had not have done that, if it would have been, um, you know, a, a feeble or a weaker Luke Skywalker, then it would have been a problem. But to have him come back and have the parallels of that scene at the end of season two for The Mandalorian really paralleling, in my mind at least, the hallway scene with Darth Vader in Rogue One. Um, you know, the difference is, is there's a red lightsaber versus a green lightsaber, but they're both walking through and just owning everything in sight. And to me, that was really very cool. So I think that they, I do think that was handled well. Like father, like son, as they say, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. And I said, I, I think some of those shots were um, mar- marvelously done. Uh, you had, uh, you know, you didn't see Luke Skywalker up until the end. You have uh, some really great shots of the lightsaber, um, you know, dragging cl- across the floor. Uh, someone, mm-hmm. you know, a dark cloaked, you know, hooded uh, figure. Um, I think, you know, for all the fans, we were, you know, kind of chomping at the bit, um, really, you know, without seeing Luke Skywalker during that point, um, we were really just kind of hoping that that, that was going to be the, the, you know, the, the surprise at the end there. And it was, um, I can't believe they, uh, they kept that secret. I know Dave Filoni and John Favreau talked a little bit about that in some of the behind the scenes stuff. They even had, uh, Plo Koon um, positioned in some behind the scenes artwork to kind of throw off anybody that might be wanting to spill the beans. So uh, even the director at the last second uh, thought it was Plo Koon. So um, I, I definitely agree. I, I'm glad I asked myself that question. Do they have the cojones to bring Luke Skywalker in? And I'm certainly glad that they did because uh, it was uh, it was a really great uh, sequence. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. All right. Question number three. What do you got for me? All right. So one of the things that seems to happen in, all, in a lot of movies is that we get used to a character. We like a character. They kill off a character. And it always seems like for me, at least, it seems to they kill off somebody before we really even get to know them. Or we're just starting to like them. I use the example of Darth Maul, Phantom Menace. That almost ruined the movie for me was the death of Darth Maul because I was so looking forward to seeing this guy because he had been so hyped up leading into that movie. You know, um, but looking back on it, what character, hero or villain, in your mind, needs to be brought back, have a resurrection of sorts and be brought back and be given a better storyline? Oh, wow. Um, what character? Let's see. Repeat that question again. All right. So what character, yeah. either hero or villain, needs to be brought back, given a resurrection of sorts, and uh, get, be given a better storyline, a better a better fate than maybe what they had the first time around? Wow. Um, you know, it's funny. It's... Uh, Something that comes to mind right away, you know, if you remember um, one of the Superman movies uh, with, uh, I guess, the only one with Brandon Roth in it. 
yeah. what was that one? What was that one called? Return of Superman. Return of Superman. I think um, I liked him as Superman, and I liked the the movie. The only thing that I did not like was Kevin Spacey as uh, Lex Luthor. And Agreed. obviously, um, you know, uh, the other actor that played Lex was uh, uh, Gene Hackman, and you know that's kind of like replacing Harrison Ford as Han Solo. It just cannot be done, and probably should not be done. Um, but Agreed. that's that's another podcast. Uh, but it's um, uh, to me, I think, you know, for me, again, the, that movie was not it, it's not as bad as people think it is. I, I don't think I, I really enjoyed his performance as Superman. I think Lex Lex Luthor in that movie probably should have been cast as somebody else or his story should have been, I don't know, a little bit better fleshed out. Um I, I did, that was the, for me that was like the weakest link, and not that he died at the end. Um, now I can't remember if he did or not, but I think if it, if they would have uh, redone that uh, in a little better fashion, um, I don't know. I it would have been a little better. Um, like I said, I, I I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed him as uh, as Superman, but uh, uh, Kevin Spacey was the weakest link for me. So bring back Lex um, in that movie and. Uh, you know, do something a little better. I always, I would agree with that. I really thought Brandon Routh did a really good job. I thought he, uh, from just, just even just a physical appearance, yeah, was the one that was most closely liked. It was going to be the closest to Christopher Reeve, yeah, and it was a believable counterpart. You know, the the, the follow up. My biggest problem was I never thought that Lex Luthor should have been the the, the villain of that movie. Yeah, you know, I I thought that they should have had they should have brought somebody else in. They should have done. I mean, Superman's got a ton of different villains. It doesn't always have to be Lex Luthor. Yeah. Luthor, rather, just like with Batman, it doesn't always have to be the Joker. There's somebody else that he can fight. There's somebody else you can center the story around. So, and the fact that it was Kevin Spacey didn't help either. But yeah, yeah, and so. yeah, absolutely. And I think that this this was before his uh, his fall, basically. Uh, yeah, but well, I wasn't um, even a big fan of his back then. So yeah, sure. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Good choice. Hey, this is Sam Whitworth. Hey, this is Will Wheaton. I'm Armin Shimmerman. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin. Hi, this is Aaron McCarty. Hi, this is Mark Pellegrino. And welcome to the FSF Popcast, your home for the all nerdy, no dirty interviews with people in our sci-fi and pop culture world. You can find us on your favorite audio podcast providers, Real Wise Radio, and of course, our YouTube channel. Hey, what's up, Chicago friends? If you are in the Andersonville area and want to check out a really cool comic book shop, head on over to Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you're into comics, gaming, and all the cool stuff, Alley Cat Comics is the place to be. Gotta love Celine and the rest of the gang over at Alley Cat Comics. Pick up your gaming supplies, set aside your comic books, grab the latest Star Wars and Marvel books, or give them a call at 773-907-3404 and tell them the scare of Scuttlebutt Podcast sent you. Oh, yeah. Alley Cat Comics in Chicago. It's where the cool cats hang. See what I did there?
Question number three for you. Um, I just posted this a couple of hours ago. Um, I think I was talking about, what was I talking about? I was talking about Andor and uh, one of our uh, Red 5 compatriots said that uh, Andor was a show that was very well made, very well acted, but it just didn't feel like Star Wars to him. Um, so I posted a separate question. I posted, what uh, what do you need for it to be a Star Wars? And I'll ask you that question. What do you need from something to make it feel like it's a Star Wars? So I'm just gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of his response just because I think that they probably said it didn't feel like Star Wars because there wasn't lightsabers, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't any force use, uh, anything along those lines. And so that was probably the reason why they that they felt that it didn't feel like Star Wars. So I don't have a problem with the fact that there was a lack of of you know I I, I think that for me it's just. I, one of the things I liked about Andor is, was the fact that we could have this great story outside of the Skywalker realm, even though, I mean, even though the, the Empire was still there and it was very much blooming over top of everything. But there was the corporation, you know, there was all these other things on uh, on the planet. And yeah, uh, you know, I don't know that for me that it has to have force powers or lightsabers or even the Skywalker name. I think the fact that for me, just to be Star Wars, it just has to be a properly told story and, and to be engaging. And, you know, because every time I've sat down, when I when I sit down to a Star Wars movie, I'm looking for something that's going to hold my attention, something that's going to visually excite me, something that's going to mentally stimulate me, um, you know. And so there's been a, there's been a few hits and misses over the last, you know, 10, 15 years since we've, you know, uh, started these this uh, the sequel trilogy era. But, yeah, you know, I, I don't know that I have a solid answer for you other than the fact that I just need it to be, I just need it to be well written. So from when I look at Andor, I see a very well written story. I love the suspense. I love the drama of that show. I actually really enjoyed the fact that there wasn't lightsabers and there wasn't force powers. And it was just, it was the the other side of the coin looking at Star Wars from the I mean, you're looking at Cassian Andor. He has no powers, no abilities. He's just your average Joe who, you know, hates the Empire. And so for me, that was actually really kind of cool. And I and I love that. And that's one of the things I liked about Rogue One you know, as well. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's my answer. I just I just need a good story. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, and, I, you know, I, I, I can understand people's want uh, uh, for, you know, taking Star Wars and distilling it into, a, you know, a couple of things that that we mentioned like Jedi Sith lightsabers spaceships and oh, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. But um, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, a good story goes a long way in whatever universe that it lives in. And uh, you know, star Wars shouldn't be, um, you know, held down by the constraints of it's got to have Jedi. It's got to have lightsabers because, right. you know, um, there's a lot of stuff happening outside of that, you know, that little microcosm of, of the, of, of the story that were obviously, you know, dumped into when it came to the original trilogy. Um, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff there. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, always good fun. You know, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm as much of a fan of lightsaber duels as the next guy. When those things light off in a series, I get a smirk across my face whenever a lightsaber goes off because you're about to have some fun. So yeah, of course I want to see lightsaber duels, but it's, it's not the make or break as to whether or not something in a star Wars world the star wars universe is good or not to me absolutely 
All right, we're going to take a break and hear uh, some messages about some of our patrons and say a big thank you to all of them and uh, some other messages. We had a couple of voicemails uh, from a contest that we held um, back in April. So uh, I wanted to reach out uh, to some of our winners and uh, see what they had to say about the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. And if you wanted to leave a, uh, leave us a message, if you had a question about uh, our five questions show, please hit us up at the Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline, 773-234-8659. But in the meantime, we are in the midst of doing five questions. We'll be right back and uh, finish up our questions. This is a lot of fun. Okay, patrons, time to give a shout out to those wonderful people that help keep the living waters of Mandalore running around here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I extend to you a very heartfelt thank you to all my patrons. All right, how about some shout outs? Big thank you to Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. And big thanks to Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Some appreciation goes to the guys over at Rebel Rock Radio, DJ and Steve, rocking with another Red 5 pod. And go check out Comics and Cosmetics. Danny's got some lovely takes on uh, comics and cosmetics. Cool talk for nerdlings of all denominations. Go give her a sub. Who else we got? Hey, it's Frank from Miami. What's up, Frank? Thank you. Oh, and a wonderful thank you to Belinda. Oh, my friend, I'm so glad you're on this list. And our resident classic Hollywood expert, a fan favorite collaborator, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. A huge respect to all our Patreon supporters. You remind me each week why it's fun to do this and to infuse the quality discussions you deserve. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude. Hey, Nicholas with the Backyard Tardis here, and wow, four years of the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, congratulations. And how amazing it is. This is uh, one of my absolute favorite Star Wars podcasts, and I listen to quite a few Star Wars podcasts. But what I love about Scarif is the fact that you guys truly love Star Wars, and you love to talk about Star Wars um, positively. And yet, you're not chills. You're not just loving everything. You're choosing to talk about the parts that you love. And I truly enjoy that. Where else am I going to get a podcast where you spend an hour, over an hour, talking about um, in the balance of the force, whether the dark side is needed to have balance? Uh, great nerd discussions, uh, not just reviewing the show of the week, but actually diving deep into the force and the Star Wars mythos. Uh, and, of course, now that you've branched out over this last year into other things, tons of glorious sci-fi to enjoy uh, from Battlestar Galactica, the Space 1999, and beyond. Uh, so much good stuff, and that's just the scuttlebutt. Hey, Matt, Vader. Just calling in to do the uh, contest hit. 
message and just want to say, yeah, what I like about the show is you you don't talk down to people. You don't force, you know, ideas on them. You know, if someone wants to pick that shit out of Pepper with about all the stuff, that's fine. You just say, hey, you do you. So you ain't one of these that people call in and it's like, uh, yeah, nah, I'm right. You're wrong. Goodbye. So, well, happy fourth anniversary and keep it rolling. Later. Howdy, Ro. It's RFB. Just catching up with my Wednesday playlist after my work day and done something that I don't regularly do was take a listen back to episode 152, Scarab's fourth anniversary. And wanted to send you a quick little note to say... What I like about Scarif Podcast, well, you know me, my pod library is full of friends with many different thoughts and opinions, and I hear a great many of them. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but we can still agree to disagree and be friends, and that's one of the things I love very much about having Scarif Pod in my library, and you and the Scuttlebutt crew keep me company, whether I'm here at home or on my work day or going to and from. And then you ask to pick a favorite episode. Well, if you know me, I don't favor any Star Wars, whether they're stories or even podcasts, one over another. So I'll go and pick one from not too far back, and it's not really in relation to Star Wars. It was... I want to say it was Buck Rogers. Either that one or the Battlestar Galactica episode that you did. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that one as mine. Because that was some really fun listening right there. So there you go. That's what I got to share with Scarif Scullivan. And happy four years. Let's do four more because I got room in my library for all of it. So until then, may the force be with you, friends. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the Scuttlebutt. All right, folks, we are back. We are talking with Tim of the FSF Pop. I always want to say podcast, but I uh, um, obviously uh, a play on words there. Uh, we're uh, we're all good with that. But uh, Tim, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm having a lot of fun right now. Absolutely. We are in the middle of uh, five questions, a five questions episode. And uh, like I said, we go in blind. We uh, ask each other five questions off the cuff, uncensored, unadulterated fun. So uh we just uh, finished asking ourselves uh, each other three questions. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's your turn to ask question number four to me. It is, yeah. Excellent. Can't wait. Let's do it. All right. I know that you, Ro, are not a fan of the Last Jedi. 
How did you know that? That's uh, best. That's the internet's best kept secret. Uh, yeah, I may have watched an episode or two of your live show, and just long enough to catch those things. So, I I'm a big fan uh, of trying to find the silver lining in anything. Wait, hold so on a second. It, I got to pour a bourbon. <laughs> you might want to pour two. So, uh, make it a double, bud. All right. So, other than the role of the final credits. What's one thing that you enjoyed about The Last Jedi? What's the silver lining to that movie? Um, I always say it is Mark Hamill's performance as Luke Skywalker. Master Skywalker, we need you to bring the Jedi back because Kylo Ren is strong with the dark side of the Force. Without the Jedi, we won't stand a chance against him. What do you know about the Force? It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Ryan Johnson's take on Luke Skywalker is one of the biggest failing for me um, for that movie. But the performance of Mark Hamill um, was amazing. It, it almost convinced me that he believed what he was saying. <laughs> Um, Mark Hamill obviously is a very talented actor. Uh, we all know him obviously as Mark Hamill, but he does a lot of voice acting. Uh, you, you, you sit him down in an interview and he gets uh, pretty crazy and loose. Um, but, uh, again, just a great talent. Uh, as fans, we are lucky to have him in our, uh, in our fandom. Um, but yeah, uh, his acting and his, uh, portrayal of Luke Skywalker in the last Jedi for me is, uh, would be the, the silver lining. Fair answer. I can't, I can't disagree with that. I, I think that even though he was Mark, he voiced his own, you know, unhappiness with some of the things with the, the script and, and how the, the character was handled. He still did a beautiful job doing the acting. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. So for me, one of the great things about the, the last Jedi was his, almost fight scene with Kylo Ren. Um, so I, I just, I thought that was done really well, you know, as a force, as a force projection. So. Sure. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much for that last Jedi question. You're welcome. I tried my best. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Um, earlier in the episode, you talked about the hits or misses of Star Wars, um, especially uh, the new stuff that we've gotten over the last couple of years. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Do you feel that there is too much Star Wars now? We just celebrated, obviously, um, May is Star Wars month. We've got May the 4th be with you. And uh, last week was May 25th, actual Star Wars day, for those of you guys who are taking notes. Uh, but, you know, this franchise is unique in the way that, uh, you know, it's uh, 40 plus years old. There is a lot of material out there. But I wanted to ask you, do you feel that there's too much? Is it is it being watered down? Um, what is your take on that? I think I'm probably one of the few people who feel that you can't have enough Star Wars. Okay. okay. And, 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 the reason, and the reason for that is, is that there is so much story to tell outside of the Skywalker name and everything else. There's so much story to tell in the in between the episodes. There's characters that need to be explored. So, for instance, I, 
I, I made no secret of it that Solo was not my favoriteest Star Wars movie. I like it, but I have a hard time with it because Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character, and the person playing Han Solo is not Harrison Ford. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I had some I had some trepidation going into the movie, but at the end of the movie. The way that that movie ends, it, it set it up perfectly, and now I want to know more. I want to see a solo, too. I want to see what happens with Kira, you know, what what happens with her and Darth Maul and, and the crime syndicate and all these different things. You know, there's just, there's so much, that's what I'm kind of talking about. There's all these different characters and different things where we can watch things away from the Skywalker name. And, you know, and have these really awesome stories and things. And that's what I what I liked about Rogue One. And that's what I like about Andor is that we have these stories of people who are, are, are outside of the, the, the realm of the Skywalker name, outside of that barricade, doing the things in the Star Wars world. And I want to know more about them. And so yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that's what I like about the Mandalorian. Here's here's a story that got crafted and created out, kind of out of thin air because this was a character that didn't exist anywhere else and they brought him in and they, and they tied it into the Star Wars lore and I think it's awesome how they've done that and how they brought this character to life and how they've done the same with Grogu and you know and kind of retconned his history and, and you know uh, through Order 66 and a few other things um, so yeah so as far as I'm concerned there's not enough Star Wars I love the fact that almost you know every year we're, we're getting something new Star Wars and I, I hope that's a trend that continues. But I'll go back to my answer to my pre your previous question. As long as it's done right. As long as it's presented well, it's written well, it's crafted well. You know, and uh, we're not, you know, kind of, you know, half-assing it uh, into, into some of the things. Sure. Because I, I really feel that that's how... It, I hate to dump on any and on on anything unless it's you know Tom Cruise. I'll, I'll dump on him. That's fine. Um, what well, Tom Cruise? What did he do? Uh, he just sucks. He's so overrated. Uh, anyway, that's a that's another podcast. Uh, but you know, I, I I try to find the silver lining in, in most everything that I watch, and most everything that I consume, even if it's something I don't really particularly enjoy. I had a really hard time with the rise of Skywalker. Uh, there's a few things I do enjoy about it, but it's it's such a disjointed, you know, missed opportunity movie, where you know even if you don't like the Last Jedi, that movie shouldn't have been ignored by J.J. Abrams. It should have been written properly to follow that as a setup instead of treating it like a standalone movie. Movie because now it's not really even a, a the sequel trilogy isn't really a trilogy. It's two movies with a standalone, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'd have to agree with you. I think I, I've always uh, noticed that the sequel trilogy is almost like a pissing contest between two directors. Oh, absolutely, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, it's you know it, it's too bad because I know obviously you know there are fans of the sequel trilogy out there that are probably listening to the show, and we have a, a different opinion about the sequel trilogy. But it's it it is too bad that it uh, they didn't take their time to kind of craft a um um. You know, uh, I'll get in hot water, but it, it, it's it, it's a shame that they didn't craft a better story threaded throughout three movies to kind Agreed. of keep uh, keep a, some sort of consistency. Um, but um, yeah, I'll stop now because I, I I don't want to crap on anybody else's party. I, I know, like I said, I know there's people that love uh, and enjoy the uh, sequels, but um, yeah. I get, I understand what you're saying, and I I agree with a lot of it. You know, and I think that if um, 
you know, the, the, the thing is, 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 you know, going back to my previous answer. So no, no matter what somebody's going to do in the Star Wars universe, it has to tie in. It has to match the lore. It has to be well written. And that's the that's where the sequel trilogy fails. There, Force Awakens, I thought was a really good movie and had all the feels. It was great fan service. It would it tied into a lot of the things previous to that. Last Jedi, it fumbles and stumbles a little bit. It ends up being, a, in my opinion, a, a pretty decent movie, and it's got some some stunning visuals in it. And then there's the last. Then there's Rise of Skywalker, which. Well, it makes you think that, you know, maybe somebody was just trying to rush this, rush this through and not paying attention. And like you said, there was a pissing match between the, the directors. Well, you didn't do this, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to forget what you did. And, you know, my mommy said I was cuter and, you know. <laughs> uh, too funny. Um, just a side note, uh, you are getting uh, a couple of demerits because you mentioned The Last Jedi at least four times. So take note. Sweet. <laughs> Last Jedi, Last Jedi, Last Jedi. What does that do for me? <laughs> awesome sauce. All right. Hashtag blocked. <laughs> I was wondering what it was going to take. Now I know. All right. You are up on the next question? Yeah, question five. All right. So... All right, here's my next question about The Last Jedi. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so I know that you grew up watching a lot of the original series in Star Trek, and I know that you know so you have that as your background. And we've talked some about Star Trek, because I've been on your show a couple times, you've been on mine a couple times, and, and we've had different conversations over, over the time, and even in uh, uh, direct messages over Twitter about different things in, this, in the Star Trek universe. So when it comes to captains, there always seems mm-hmm. to be two that get brought up yeah. for point of conversation. And, and and not to besmirch any other captain in the Star Trek universe. I know everybody's got their favorites, but it always seems to be that, in my opinion, that the only two that get compared to one another are Kirk and Picard. Right. So are you Team Kirk or are you Team Picard and why? Um, so do I have to pick from those two or can I give you a, a plan B? You can, uh, how about both? Okay. If you have to pick between the two, if I which had to one pick, and what's yeah. your plan B? Um, if I had to pick between Kirk and, uh, Picard, I'm always going to pick Kirk. Space, the final frontier. I think because he was the first captain, he kind of set the mold for a federation captain um and here's the here's the interesting thing for me uh somebody who has watched all the star treks and is very familiar with all the captains uh, their um their their command styles etc cetera, etc cetera. um each captain is is very different from from the from the last captain kirk is very different than picard picard is very different from uh, Cisco. I mean, it, it's it's really cool the way they kind of writ- they've written um, the differences in in the the characters of the captains. Um, but I, you know, I, I would have to go with Kirk for for many reasons. Uh, he was the first captain uh, that I you know that I knew. Uh, he's the captain of the original series. Um, 
and you know, I I know people have a problem with the uh, with his acting, the staccato thing that he does. Uh, you know, whatever but... could you be referring to? Are you telling me you're not the tiniest bit interested in meeting one of the most famous men in Starfleet history? But I, you know, I, I, that's uh, that's part of his DNA. That's part of his uh, his his character, and I think uh, you know, I I have accepted it throughout the years. <laughs> so. Sure. Um, absolutely. But you know what? I think, um, outside of those two captains, I would actually pick Catherine Janeway, uh, as, uh, one of my favorite captains, uh, from, uh, Star Trek Voyager. Um, okay. you know, the, the, the nineties was a, a very interesting time for Star Trek. There were many Star Trek TV shows that, uh, came out, uh, some of them back to back. Some of them came out concurrently. Um, you know, we, we had, uh, deep space nine, we had the next generation, we had Voyager. And then at the tail end of, uh, I think the nineties and two thousands, we had, uh, Star Trek enterprise with Scott Bakula. And, um, you know, when it comes to star Wars fans, the nineties was the dark times. There was nothing, uh, star Wars around, but I think, uh, you know, um, there's a saying, there's an old Klingon proverb that um, uh, space abhors a vacuum or something like that. I forgot who said that, but uh, it's uh, it, it's interesting because uh, Star Trek kind of filled that vacuum for us science fiction fans, especially on the small screen, because we had so much Star Trek to uh, sink our teeth in. And um, like I said, I think Catherine Janeway really... Um, was one of my favorite captains uh, on uh, on TV. All right, cool. I'm going to have to look up that quote. Space whores and vacuums. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> you know, Jim, I just can't understand this. All right, question number five. We are here at the end of the... There's a light at the end of the tunnel here. Uh, question number five. Um, I mentioned early that everybody is waiting um, calmly for the Ahsoka show that uh, may or may not be releasing in August. I know uh, there was a website that dropped that date and then all of a sudden it was redacted. Uh, you know, uh, some state secrets were, were being held back. Um, but um, looks like uh, Filoni is uh, ready for live action. He, uh, you know, during Star Wars Celebration, they had an announcement that uh, there are three new movies that are going to be worked on. Filoni's uh, Mandoverse is one. Uh, you had some, uh, you know, Old Republic stuff, uh, some High Republic stuff, uh, movies that are coming out, uh, which, you know, deals with uh, the, the faraway past. And then we had a new Ray movie that obviously happens uh, in the future, post Rise with Skywalker. Um, so getting back to the Filoni aspect of, of Ahsoka and then his movie, uh, do you feel that Filoni is ready for live action? And are the fans ready for the Filoni verse as it uh, pertains to a movie? Yes and yes. Okay. So so I, I know that's the simplified answer. So the, the non-simplified answer is that I think that Filoni really shines in animated right. stuff. And I, and I think that that's, that's his niche. That's where he, that's where he shines because he's able to take these, these very intricate storylines and really explode them out to where we get to, you know, see things in such intricate detail and typically in ways and things that are not able to be done in live action. 
So I think we're ready as fans to see what he can do live action because we've seen for so long what he can do with Clone Wars and, and Rebels and you know all the everything else that he's put his fingers to. So I'm I'm kind of curious. I think that he's ready. I think that I think that he's you know yeah. I think if you're a good director, a good storyteller, I think it can translate from one side of the coin to the other. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that there may be you may be better at one side than the other, but I think it can still translate. And I think that's where we're at with Filoni. I want to believe in my heart of hearts that he will be just as good at live action that as he is with animated. Will he be? That's that's the hard part to to know. And as far as fans, yeah, I think we're ready to see what he can do. And I think, I think honestly, our level of readiness will be tied into how well Mando season four and Ahsoka lead us into the Mandoverse movie, because it's going from all everything and all the sources that I've seen and everything that I've read, it's all pointing to Thrawn being the big bad. And if, and if he is set up to become in like a lamb or limping in like a lamb, then it's not going to work. Um, he has to come in like a roaring lion. He's got to be the beast. He's got to be the next big bad, the scary thing. And if he's not, then it's not going to work. And then then, then that's going to be disservice to not only the fans, but to Filoni himself as well. So hopefully it's set up properly by Mando season four and by the Ahsoka show. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm kind of like you, you know, give me more Star Wars. If I like it, I will, uh, you know, shout it from the rooftops. If not, then, uh, you know, oh, well. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think um, I'm going to ask you, this is a, a bonus question. You know, a lot of people did not like uh, the Mandalorian season three because it did seem kind of like a an animated show, except for it was live action. Um, a lot of the, the story plot points were a little loosey goosey. It wasn't as tight as, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as it could have been. Um, they blamed kind of, uh, they, they, I, I think some fans blamed the, um, the, the, the writing that it seemed like it was just too much like a, a half hour, you know, if anything, uh, an animated show. Um, and I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, what did you think overall of season three of Mandalorian? Well, I actually, for the most part, I would give Mandalorian season three probably about a, a straight B. Not a B plus, not a B minus. It was a good show. Was it overall great? No. Um, it had really great spots. If I never see Jack Black in Star Wars again, I'll be just fine. Um, if I never see Lizzo in Star Wars again, I'll be just fine. I that that whole episode was a wasted episode, except for like the last 10 minutes. They missed they completely bombed Christopher Lloyd's, you know, cameo. His appearance in that episode was just awful. Um, and then Jack Black was being Jack Black all over the Jack Black of the episode is just I I either really enjoy Jack Black or I can't stand Jack Black. There is no middle ground with him, it yeah. seems. He always and, seems to be playing Jack Black. Yeah, it doesn't matter what. He's just Jack Black. And, you know, in some things, that's fine. And, you know, not not in Star Wars. I, I don't know. I just had a problem with that. Overall, I thought the storytelling was was pretty good. There was a bit more filler this season than when I would have liked to have seen, especially because there were so many hints leading up to Thrawn. I actually thought they did a disservice 
by not showing the fans Thrawn in Mandalorian Season 3, even if it was just for a couple seconds, a post-credit scene, something, because we had multiple episodes where his name is mentioned, he's talked about, but he's not shown. And so I really thought leading into the end of that series that there should have been something to help segue to go from Mando Season 3 into Ahsoka that would propel that into Season 4 for Mando. There needed to be a chain reaction there, and I really felt like there was something dropped there at the end of Mando Season 3 um, with the lack of Thrawn. So if that was pr- – I probably would have given it a B-plus had we had Thrawn and not just the mention of Thrawn. Um, but I also – but I also liked how they retconned a few things in to help us see – you know, we got to see how, you know, uh, we – you know – Snoke and finding out where, you know, the, the, uh, and with, you know, how kind of how he came to be, you know, we saw him in all the, 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 the test tubes down there and right. everything. So I think that kind of helped and, you know, it doesn't completely answer the questions of Snoke, but it does help somewhat, you knowing that he was leading up to, you know, somehow Palpatine returned, um, you know, but so for me that that's kind of some of the stuff. And I, I, I felt that uh, this season that the man the title of the Mandalorian was not so much about Din Djarin. It was about whoever was the Mandalorian they were talking about that week. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 so it wasn't, you know, some episodes it was about Bo-Katan. Some episodes it was not, it was about uh, Din Djarin. Some episodes it was about now Din Grogu, uh, you know, and, and whatever else. So I, I really felt that that was a, a title that could have, you know, and did get kind of passed around a little bit and actually kind of like that because, it made it so that now we can talk about other characters and, and focus on some other things outside of a Din Djarin storyline. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, some of the episodes um, were a little fillery. Um, and I know, you know, for a lot of people that uh, that is kind of a four letter word. Um, oh, sure. But uh, I do feel that if they kind of uh, skimmed um, back the fillery episodes and concentrated on some of the main plot points, um, like the return of uh, Mandalore, uh, the dark saber situation, Grogu, um, that you know that last episode probably would not have felt as rushed as uh, as it did feel. Um, Agreed. Or- or just you know go uh, go beyond the eight episodes. I mean, give us a full uh, you know uh, more traditional season. Yeah, go uh, ten, twelve episodes and make them all. I, mean, I know we don't have commercial breaks anymore, but you know, geez, give us forty minutes at least on on an average episode. Yeah. You know, and you know, and really, if if, if like okay, I'm gonna go back to the Jack Black episode, but if you take out that whole first thirty five minutes of a forty minute episode. And instead of just having Jack Black be a distraction for, for 30, 35 minutes, you could have used that 30 to 35 minutes to explain how, uh, you know, um, they were setting up on Mandalore and nobody realized it, that right. the Empire was setting up. Yeah. You know, all, all, you know, all this stuff on Mandalore and they, you know, and they were building ships and everything there and, you know, and, and building Mandalore, Mandalore armor and, and all these and all this was going on. Mm-hmm. Never once is that addressed. Never once is that talked about through in the series in season three. So I, you know, that's kind of a frustration to me that, you know, uh, it's kind of like Palpatine returning, you know, it's just like somehow they arrived. 
Yeah, I, I think season three of Mandalorian had a ton of Chekhov's uh, rifle, Chekhov's gun, that uh, literary device that uh, introduces a certain aspect of the story. And you expect as an audience member to kind of go back to it and have a resolution, um, which uh, never happened. Um, Agreed. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I still feel that Star Wars, when it comes to episodic television, is, they're still going through some growing pains. Uh, you know, throughout the series of the other shows, you had episodes that were, you know, 35 minutes. You had some that were 47 minutes. Um, and I think the consistency of the length of the episodes uh, have really been all over the place. Um, and uh, I, I think they're still trying to, you know, stretch out their legs and, and, and try different things. But uh, hopefully they'll get a hang of it. And uh, like I said, uh, didn't want to poo-poo all over somebody else's enjoyment. But uh, sure, that's, uh, that's our take. But um, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. This was a lot thank of fun. You. I always love doing these five questions because I don't, I never know what's going to happen. Uh, what's uh, what questions uh, you guys have for me. And it's always fun to kind of ask questions, uh, you know, without uh, sharing the questions beforehand. It's always a lot of fun to kind of answer them off the cuff. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, Tim, let's find out. Uh, why don't you go tell uh, our listeners where people can find you and uh, what do you have coming up next? Hey, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, check us out on our website, www.fsfpopcastpopcast.com. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram under the user handle fsfpopcast. And, of course, our Facebook group is the Funny Science Fiction Facebook group. That's what the FSF stands for, uh, Funny Science Fiction. And, uh, yeah, you can find us there. We have 211,000 members in our group, and we have a lot of fun. And, you know, come check us out there. And of course, we have a brand new Patreon page uh, as well, so you can check us out. We got a ton of uh, behind-the-scene contents with you know some of our former guests and our, our current guests. And uh, yeah, so the last couple of weeks we've had Vanessa Marshall from Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we had uh, this week or this past week was Ellen Dubin from um, uh, Star Wars Resistance. She plays Captain Phasma on Star Wars Resistance. And she's also the voice of the Bene Gesserit from the, the Dune movies, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, so coming up, uh, goodness sakes, what do we have coming up? You know, that's a very good question. I have not looked at the schedule. I think our next interview coming up is um, uh, a gentleman by, uh, by the name of, uh, uh, oh, goodness sakes. My brain just went absolutely blank on me. One second here. I can fix this. Let's I have the let's technology. Go, let's Google it. Actually, I'm going to our Google. Actually, I am going to a Google. Uh, it's our Google Drive page where we keep all this wonderful information at so that I don't have to try and remember it all, um, which is good because I really kind of dropped the ball there. Uh, so the next, uh, the next one coming up is a gentleman by the name of Jamie Anderson. Jamie is, uh, is the son of Jerry Anderson, uh, who you may remember from Space 1999. Yes. Uh, the Thunderbirds, all that kind of stuff with the 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 marionettes, and you know, to, we talk about we talk about his father's legacy. We talk about all the things that he's doing to continue his father's legacy, re, uh, reissuing some of those works, including Space 1999. We talk about the Thunderbirds and and some of the other stuff that's going to going on. So, uh, yeah, our interview with Jamie Anderson should be the next 
next one up, I believe. And yeah, it's a really cool episode with a really cool guy. Excellent. Uh, I did a Space 1999 episode with uh, one of our patrons, Melanie Marquita. We talked about uh, why there is no uh, reboot of Space 1999. Just let him know that we are still waiting. <laughs> I think he actually knows that. That's been something that's been brought up uh, quite a bit. I think that that would be a, a well-received re- uh, well reboot, honestly. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome stuff. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, again, I want to thank our contest winners, uh, three listeners that uh, paid attention to episode 152. I had asked, uh, you know, to, to do a little something, something, and they left us some voicemails. Nick Schaefer from Backyard Tardis, uh, Vader Rapina and Rural Farm Boy. Thank you guys for responding to our question and our contest. You guys are winners. I know I sent out some stuff, uh, to uh to you guys hopefully you've got them by now our wonderful uh swag pack from the scare of scuttlebutt podcast uh just a thank you to supporting us over the last four years the scare podcast turned four years old in april so i uh, just wanted to thank them for uh, and all our listeners and uh, supporters just to say thank you for supporting us uh we are looking forward to the next four years so uh absolutely until next time, this is Ro from the Scare Scuttle Up Podcast. Tim, thank you so much for joining me on Five Questions. If you have any comments, please feel free to send us a voicemail at 773-234-8659. Until next time, that's the Scuttlebutt. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network